presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Before I um, speak, I have a little video that I want to show you guys. It's called The Cards We've Been Dealt. Sorry, this is going to be our conversation starter for today. Have you ever thought about the cards that you've been dealt? Have you ever taken the time to examine your life as if it were a hand of cards? For many of you, you would look at the hand that you've been dealt and go, I've been given a great hand. I don't want to change a thing. And still there are others. You would look at a few of your cards and you would go, these are the hard and bitter cards. It's as if we would say, if I could just trade in these cards, my life would be so much better. But that's just it. You can't trade in the cards that you've been dealt. These are your cards, whether you like the way they feel or not. It's interesting. The people that we want validation from, people we want to like us, people we want to impress, we hide these uglier cards behind the more noble, significant, prettier cards. These are the cards that we want people to see. These are the cards that we've based so much our identity on. It's human nature, I guess. But deep down, we know the cards that we've been dealt. There's no escape in it. It's who we are. We can't reshuffle the deck. We can't trade any of them in. It's in our DNA. It's in our makeup. The truth is, you are all in. But what if we stopped? What if we stopped and just took some time to look at the hands that we've been dealt? Is it coincidence? Or is it just life? Or is it God? The argument would be, why would an all-knowing, all-loving God give me this deck of cards? If he really loved me, why these cards? And these are the cards of pain, of chaos, of guilt, of hurts, of hang-ups, of habits. And amongst this deck, for some of you, there are some really cruel cards. Cards of rejection, depression, addiction, abuse, and the card that none of us can escape from. But if we were to stop and think back, oh, there are some great cards in this deck, like... When you were a little kid and the first time that you made your dad laugh and he laughed so wholeheartedly, that was a great card. That was a great day. The first time you tied your shoes. Your first kiss. When you graduated college and nobody said that you could do it. The first time that you used your gifts and talents and someone looked at you and you knew they meant it and said, you are good at this. And the first time you stood up for yourself. These are the pretty cards. These are the ones that we move to the front of the deck. It's a sad truth, but we really care what other people think of us. And these are the cards that we reuse. We relive. We reshuffle because we care for validation from other people. But what does God think? What if God were to take a look at all our cards? Which ones would he choose? 
More than likely, they would not be the prettier, significant cards, but they would be an array of both good and bad cards. So you see, he wants to use the most heart-wrenching cards as much as he wants to use the cards that have brought you peace and joy. Don't discount the fact that God wants to use the most difficult cards because these cards have brought blessings and they have given us the greatest learning lessons of life. To God, these aren't a bunch of good and bad cards. To God, they're just cards. And if we surrender, we can see the hand that we've been dealt. It can give God glory. It can remind us that it's Not our story, but his story. And if we're really still, we can even catch a glimpse of heaven. So the question is, aren't you tired of pretending to deal with your deck of cards? Aren't you wore out trying to hide behind some of the more glamorous cards? Doesn't it shortchange God with the story of our life? To him, you have been given the greatest hand that you could ever imagine. And for me, I'm all in. I'll play the hand that I've been dealt. was a good little clip, wasn't it? I think that maybe one of my first cards I'd flip over is short. <laughs> People do like to remind me that I'm short. I know that when I'd stand in line at class, you know, when I was in high school waiting to go in, and they'll, you know, they'd turn around and go, you're really short. And I'm like, I know. Like, they thought they could tease me about it. I was like, well, yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> Oh, thank you, Jacob. I am very tall up here on stage. There, I actually don't like standing up here, and if I had a choice, I'd stand down there, but I know that um, you all wouldn't be able to see me properly, so <laughs> I stand up here. And I do want to take my shoes off as well, so then I'd be shorter, but I won't today. If you haven't um, been to our church before, we just want to welcome you. I know we're already halfway through, uh, but welcome... Um, to our church today and we hope that you feel um, like you're here with family. I want to talk a little bit more about these cards that we've been dealt. Um, I, was, I was thinking about what would my cards be? Um, there's so many. I, I, was, um, I was thinking how I'm going to start with kids because it's a dedication service. So same as Deb and Mills, I have four children. Katie is my youngest now. <laughs> and um, I think, oh, it's just been so amazing. I've got four beautiful children. And then on the other flip side now, three, uh, two are in Adelaide and the next one is about to leave. So I've like had three children leave three years in a row. My heart. 
Have you seen the movie uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Some of you have. You know, where um, when the daughter's talking about leaving to go to college, that one, the second, the second one. Uh, come on, give me, has someone watched it? Anyone with me? A few. Okay, thank you. All right. Well, okay, for those of you who haven't watched it, their only daughter is about to, you know, want, is in their, I don't know what they call it in America. It's year 12 equivalent for us. And she's about to, um, you know, look at where she wants to go to college. And, and the, and the mum and the dad, they're just like, the mum goes, please don't leave me. No, it's, why do you want to leave me? That's what I say to my kids. Even when they come back and visit from Adelaide, I say that when they go back. And so I think about those cards that have been dealt, all the different ones, and you will all have some of those. I know that um, it pricked my heart a little bit seeing his card turn out. Um, a wife had a miscarriage. I was also on that space. Our first baby was a miscarriage. And uh, that was we got married very young, still married, very proud. I have a beautiful husband. Um, he's amazing and no one else can have him. Um, <laughs> you know, and yeah, like I was uh, 21-ish, 22. Hayden was born at 22, so it was just before 21. And at 21, having a baby, you know, telling everybody you're pregnant and then having to tell everyone you're not anymore and kind of wondering why. Why? Does that question come up? with all the different things that happen in your life, especially the bad things. We, ne- we never say, why did this wonderful, amazing thing happen? We always go, when something bad happens, why did this happen to me? Um, so just for you to reflect, what are the cards that you have been dealt How do they affect your life? How do they affect your thoughts and your actions? And I'm writing this up and I'm seeing cognitive behavioural therapy as I'm writing it because I'm a counsellor and I'm like, hmm, is this this entering into my sermons too much? But anyway, uh, all of the things that happen in our lives, they affect the way we think, they affect what we do, they affect how we treat other people. Back to that question. Why? Oh, typo. <laughs> I wonder if I hadn't said it, whether anyone would notice. No, Caleb would have. Um, <laughs> oh, no, there's no typo. I thought, sorry. No typo, no typo. Why would an all-knowing, loving God give these cards? Or give us these cards? <laughs> I um, I went to uni and studied social work and we had to do philosophy. I hate philosophy. Really hate philosophy. All of the questioning about God's existence and predestination wasn't interested. Just did what I had to do and got on with it. But I know that there are so many people out there that have to ask those questions. And I've always understood that I'm not a person who asks a lot of those questions and has to understand them all. But I know that a lot of people do. 
I think that there was probably one time that I had had Hannah, my second baby, and I had postnatal depression. Yep, Christians get postnatal depression. <laughs> and I was just, I was sitting in bed and I know that I was just so sad and I was distraught. And, you know, it doesn't just come with you feeling sick. It's like, I think Hayden had a fever and, you know, like so much of sickness and we were all feeling sick and everything was horrible. And I just said, why? I think it was probably the first time I said why to God. And I felt like he said back to me that he is the God who looks after the birds of the air, that he is the God who's um, in, in the book of Job, he talks about he knows the, the, the bears and the bear cubs. He put the stars in the sky. And it wasn't really an answer that I wanted, right? <laughs> but in that moment, when I was asking for healing, I was actually asking for healing for Hayden to get better from being sick. God gave me healing from the postnatal depression. Hayden was still sick. And you still go, well, what? Like, I don't get it. Like, like, it's so out of the ordinary. Like, why don't things go the way we want them to? Who's with me? What, you know, like, we ask those questions. God also has reminded, has reminded me of this person, Jesus. I put, you can find the, in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, it talks about Jesus' life. All of those books have all the accounts of different things that happen with Jesus. Some are the same, some are a little bit different. Jesus went through a lot of stuff. Now, he was born to be as the son of God, which should mean that things should go perfectly for him, right? Because if he's the son of God, he knows God personally and has power. But what did Jesus go through? What we know is that Jesus did go through some grief. It's not really accounted, but we know that somewhere between the age of 12 and 30 that Jesus' father must have passed away. And his cousin John, who I'm thinking, right, that Mary went and visited John when she was pregnant with Jesus. She went and visited Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John. So I reckon that they probably grew up a little bit close that he was probably a close-ish cousin. Maybe, I don't know. We can guess. His, his cousin died. He was rejected. He went, he was doing all these amazing miracles. And he went back to his hometown where he grew up and did miracles and the people kicked, were trying to kill him, that he had to leave. He was betrayed. His closest friends betrayed him. Judas 
sold him out, took money to tell the um, the <laughs> the guards where he was, so he'd be arrested. And Peter said, Peter denied him. Peter said, "Don't know who he is." He was accused by all of the other religious leaders, all of the other people who were supposed to love God and supposed to want good for people's lives, accused him of saying wrong stuff, of doing wrong stuff and of wanting to hurt people. When you read uh, about Jesus in the Bible, all he does is he wants good for people. He wants people to be free. He wants people to be loved. I know that one, that accusation one. Man, that one hurts, doesn't it? I know that we, we get that. I know I've had that, being in a church. I'm the first person to say, I, I know that not all Christian people can be nice. And I know that some people walk away from churches because they say it's full of hypocrites. And I know that some people walk away from churches because they've been hurt by people. And that is a real thing. I have been hurt by people. I have been accused of things that I haven't done. Blatant lies. <laughs> and, and I had to stand and just say, okay, Jesus, will you bring justice to my situation? I had to let him be my defender. And he, and he was. He was abandoned. In his last hours when he was sent to the cross to die, every one of his friends disappeared. What was Jesus' response? Do you know? Didn't... Um, try to defend himself. He didn't try to gang up on people. He didn't try to get his disciples to go out and um, make sure that the truth was being told about him and go and spread the truth and tell everybody I wasn't lying. He didn't try to get back at the people who betrayed him. He loved. He forgave. And then in it all, in all of that, with all of the people who rejected him, he went and still decided to sacrifice his life on the cross for us. And in that sacrifice, he took every single little thing that you and I have ever done wrong. He has given us forgiveness for that. Which means that all we have to do, it's really, really simple. So simple. Sometimes we think there is these one, two, three, four, five steps, but all we have to do is to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Thank you for being part of my life. That's it. He's with you. That's all it takes. When we do that, there's this promise. Never will I leave you or forsake you. This little search 
Um, I love Google. If, ever, if ever my kids came to me and asked me a question, I'd tell them to go ask Mr. Google. <laughs> Which I did often, because they asked some curly questions. Because as I said before, I don't like asking lots of questions or asking why. So when they want to ask me about how can the birds sit on the power lines and they want an answer, I, I can't tell them because, like, I don't know because I never asked the question myself. Um, so Mr. Google, you know, like, and I, I, was, I thought, how many times in the Bible does it say, never will I leave you or forsake you? And... There are some verses that come up that aren't, like, don't have those exact words in it. But um, there was, like, one search came up with about 66 verses. But I've put four different ones there. Because in the Bible, Jesus says that he will never leave us or forsake us. The Bible also says that there will be trials. There will be tribulations, that there will be heartache. Just as Jesus had it, he lived in this world And he also had heartache. But God says that even through that heartache, that he will be with us always. And he gives us these other promises from Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, that kind of gets hard, doesn't it? Because we go, well, not everything that happens in my life is feels good. But as we were listening to um, the cards you've been dealt, it kind of puts a different spin on it, doesn't it? Like, what if the cards that have been dealt to us are part of our story, are part of God's story for us? It kind of brings us to this other scripture that's in the Bible that says that we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purposes. When we love him, he promises that he, brings the, he will bring good things out of the bad. And we've been um, talking about this a lot as a church because as a church, we've been going through some really, really hard times. There are lots of people in our church who have lost loved ones. And um, I'm not going to go over everything that's been happening in our church, but there's been stuff. Like, it's been hard. As Christian people sitting in a church, we've been struggling personally in our lives. But this is the one thing that I keep annoying everybody with. Just like Joy on Inside Out. Have you, watched in- oh, have you watched Inside Out? Okay, I've got some yeses. Okay, thank you. Just, <laughs> if you haven't, it's a, great, it's a great one. I love Inside Out. Um, just like Joy on Inside Out, who's always, you know, looking at the, the um, positive side of life and is optimistic. I kind of am annoying everybody with this one. That even though things are hard in our lives, that God can work good through that. And sometimes it's the lens that we see it through. Sometimes um, when we go back to the cards we've been dealt and we go back to what are our thoughts and our actions and our behaviours, doing some counselling session now, when we look at all of those things, we develop this way of thinking about our life. But if we were just able to flip that over... And look at it a bit differently and look at through Jesus' eyes, who loves us, who cares for us, who wants to be with us always. That could look really, really differently. 
My personal example of this one is that, like I mentioned, I had postnatal depression, but also I've lost my timeline. It might be about seven years ago now. I, I just got really severely depressed. And it was around about the same time that, a little bit after that, Caleb was um, the pastor, named the pastor of Bethel Family Church. Well, it was Bethel Christian Centre then. And it wasn't long after that that I started to get really depressed and I started to get really unwell. And part of it was all connected to, I had a a small skin cancer on the top of my head. Now I I have a dip in my head from having it taken off and it got infected. And there's all this stuff that was going on. There was stuff going on in the church and that's where some of the accusations all came. And I got really depressed and really anxious and I started to have panic attacks. I didn't know what a panic attack was until properly until that moment. And I'd be getting Caleb to rush me to the hospital because something was wrong with me and I'd get there and then I'd be okay. And it took a little while for me to work out that that's what was happening to me. And I think that it probably took me about five years or maybe three, you know, two really bad years and then sort of five to sort of get to a point where I wasn't having so many panic attacks anymore. But it was really hard for quite some time. And I think about, you know, when he talked about those cards you've been dealt and the ones that you show people. Yep, Caleb was a pastor and I was the pastor's wife. And there were expectations on the pastor's wife to do this and this and this. And so I came to church and I pretended for quite some time that everything was fine with me. Inside and during the week, I sat on my couch and watched TV and tried to do snippets of housework if I could. And there was a moment in that that I thought, well, I can sit here and I can let this be my story or I can let God be the God that he says he is, that he's going to never leave me or forsake me, that he's here for me and that he's going to make good out of my circumstances. And so I started to watch some sermons And I started to read my Bible. And this was what my Bible reading was, right? I'd open the book of Psalms. You know the book of Psalms? Yep. Okay. With me? Yep. You know the book of Psalms. Okay, if you don't, that's okay. And I decided I was going to start reading the book of Psalms and the first, like, verse. And I decided when I read the first verse, if it didn't mean anything to me, I wasn't reading anymore. So I read the first verse for weeks just over and over, out loud, because I was determined that this was not going to be my story, that I wasn't going to stay in this place. And then suddenly, boom, it hit and it meant something to me. But I know that that was the, the start of my healing experience. And it was slow. It wasn't like what I want it to be. Super natural healing which God can do because he is an amazing God and he can do that for people and he does do that for people but that wasn't my story because now I know that as a, um, a social worker, as a counsellor, that that part of my story helps me to be a way better counsellor and a way better social worker. 
because I understand where people are coming from. And I'm not just sitting there telling people to take deep breaths, <sighs> eat good food and exercise because that's not what it's all about. There's so much more to it as well. You know, they're the, they're the practical things you can do, so you can take those from me if you like. Um, so... What does a relationship with Jesus mean to me? I know you probably can't read the little writing. It wasn't, I was meant to delete it because I printed it out just for me. But a relationship with Jesus, it means that whatever cards I'm dealt, good or bad, I'm never alone, ever. that he will never leave me or forsake me. I might get a little bit angry with him and I might walk away from, from you, know, you know, tell him I'm not talking to him because I'm annoyed with what's happening in my life, but that doesn't mean that he's left me. He's, he's, he's still talking to me. It means that when there is pain and hardship that I can find peace and answers and direction. And it means that good will come out of my pain, my heartache, and my struggles at some stage. Maybe I won't see all of that. As I surrender to God, it means that there is less of a burden on my shoulders. Because it also says in the Bible that he will take our burdens and he will lighten our load. You know, I can become a kinder and a softer and a more loving person because of Jesus, because he softens my heart. One thing that I've learned even more so lately is that I don't have to live with crippling fear anymore. That fear that crippled me when I was depressed and anxious, God has slowly taught me how to stand against that. Little bit by little bit by little bit. It's, it's been amazing. It is so freeing. If you want that, I'll pray with you for that. But it also means the thing that we don't necessarily always talk about, but it means that I have eternal security. I know that when I die, that I'm going to heaven. I know that I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm talk about death. <laughs> no, that's where I'm going to be. Do you know where you're going to be? In this world that is full of disaster and pain and heartache, I don't have all the answers for that. I know that people do ask those questions and people ask me those questions I can't answer that. But what I can say is that what I can testify to is what Jesus has done in me and what it is like for me to have Jesus. And that means that I do what I can do in my space because I can't go stop a world war. I can't go and feed all the hungry children but I can do what I've been called to do here and I can do my job. I can help people 
I can talk with people and I can then I can do my job here in the church and I can pray with people and I can stand here and do this job and talk in church. So as we finish up, you can think about what will you do with the cards that have been dealt to you? choice. You have a choice to get bitter and uh, upset and angry. We have a, have a choice to be more like Jesus and to love and to forgive, be kind. So as we get the team to come up, I think they're they also have to alert Amy. I'm not sure if I gave them enough time. They, they sort of went running when I said this is the last slide. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to get the kids back in because Amy's playing the keyboard, but I suppose they could probably go ahead without Amy. Um, as we um, sing this last song, uh, you are welcome to, to come up and uh, ask me to pray for you. You are welcome to ask me to pray for you before you leave. Look, you're also welcome to ask someone that you came with or um, one of your, your peoples that you trust to, to pray with you. But like, if you're struggling and you're having a hard time, please feel free to come and chat to me and I'll pray with you about that. If you want to be freed from the fear or anxiety and depression, or you want some answers into that space, feel free to come and, come and chat with me. I won't charge you. Um, <laughs> but I hope that you feel encouraged and I hope that you know that there's a God who's chasing after you. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who wants to be in your life. He's an amazing God. He fills me with joy and peace. He he really is. All right, guys. I'll hand over to you. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at Bethel. Bethel family church on Facebook.